Jesus, we do want to be guided by your Spirit, and we want to live by your Spirit. So please, tonight, open your Word and teach us, and help us know how to give more of our lives to you and bear that fruit of the Spirit that we just read about. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As many of you know, I run every day, and whenever I get a chance, I also lift weights. And I used to have this old workout shirt that I wore, and it was... It was old and yellowed and had holes all over it. And for all I know, it smelled bad, too. Although I'm pretty sure I thought it had a beautiful, manly scent to it. And I'd I'd walk around the gym with this old, worn-out shirt, sort of thinking that I was making a fashion statement and starting a new trend and that GQ would be sending photographers any day to take a picture of my new wardrobe. But my wife saw it differently. She would say to me, You look terrible. She's always been very affirming that way. And to assist me in my fashion challenge state, she would buy me brand new workout shirts, which I then would never wear because I just preferred the old one. And so I just keep wearing it and it was familiar, it was comfortable, that's what I liked. I can see some guys right now going, yeah, right, that makes sense to me. Well, finally, my wife took matters into her own hands and with coldness in her heart threw away my favorite workout shirt without even asking me. I think sometimes that's how I respond to what Jesus wants to do in my life. He has this wonderful gift to give me. We just read about it. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. But I don't receive it. I just continue to live the old, worn out, smelly life that I've always lived. What this passage says is that if we know Jesus, His Holy Spirit lives inside of us and He wants to give us some gifts. Gifts like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, collectively known as the fruit of the Spirit. And if you've been around churches, you've probably heard that list rattled off countless times, usually at lightning speed. But what that list of words translates into, into real life, what it means, are, those are just words, but what it means in real life are, are things like an exuberance about life. The kind that gets you up every morning and makes you say, good morning, Lord, instead of good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Jesus wants to give us serenity even when our lives are in chaos. He wants to give us the ability to stick with things even when it's hard and put us in community that is is loving and loyal. He wants to give us a genuine affection for other people. The the kind of affection that would mean that when I'm driving down 405 and someone is going slow in the left-hand lane, as they shouldn't, that my first response is, oh, look, God has put a person here to help me slow down and smell the roses, which is better than what I do now, which is to think, be nice, they may go to your church. Jesus wants to give us all of that. The problem is, though, I'm not sure that's what we really want from Him. I mean, how often in our prayers do we find ourselves fervently praying for compassion or for Christ-like character? That's not what our prayers are. How do we mostly pray? We mostly pray things like, Lord, keep me safe. Lord, make me healthy. Lord, make me successful. And those are good prayers. And very often God gives us those things, but the gift He really wants to give us is the fruit of the Spirit. But I think to us often 
that feels like God is giving us socks for Christmas when what we wanted was an electric train. A couple weeks ago, if you remember, I, I preached a sermon comparing King Herod's feast to Jesus' feast when he feeds the 5,000. And I, I talked about how Herod's feast had all these wonderful things. You, you, uh, food, entertainment, all the glamour people were there. But it ended in death when John the Baptist was beheaded. Whereas Jesus' feast ends in abundance. So I said, choose Jesus' feast. Well, afterward, a friend of mine said, yeah, but what I really want to do is go to Herod's feast, but leave right before the beheading starts. (laughs) Maybe catch the last few minutes of Jesus' feast. Now, let's be honest. Isn't that what some of us want most of the time and most of us want at least some of the time? Success, comfort, health. And as a consequence, this passage where we are offered the fruit of the Spirit can feel more like we've been told to eat our vegetables. But if I dig into this mess called me just a little bit deeper, what I find is that deep down what I really do want more than anything else is the character of Christ. Because as much as I want success and comfort and health, I know those things are temporary. And what I really want is to not need those things. To have joy no matter what my circumstances are because that's what real freedom is. And I think all of us recognize that living life for self and for pleasure just ends us up in misery. What this text calls the the works of the flesh. Things like frantic grabs at temporary happiness. Compulsive competition just to prove ourselves worthy. Repetitive, loveless sexual activity where we're looking for something but just end up feeling lonely. Broken relationships, enmity, strife, and things like that, like the passage said. And I don't think any of us want that, even though sometimes we fall into those things in spite of ourselves. Deep, deep down, what we really, really want is a transformed life. Marked by love, joy, peace, patience, And all the rest. And the good news of this passage is we can have it. We can have it. And the even better news is we don't have to do this on our own. The Holy Spirit does it through us. And and one of the the terrible things that churches and pastors do to a passage like this is, is they turn this promise, this gift, into a list of rules and oughts and shoulds and regulations. Go out and do this. And pretty soon the fruit of the Spirit is turned into the demands of the Spirit. Just a bunch of rules and regulations. And that, that's depressing and it can leave us thinking, oh great. So now on top of trying to please the boss and take the kids to soccer and deal with the medical bills, now I have to lump up some fruit of the Spirit. Guess I'll pencil it in for Monday at noon. That's a big part of why people don't like church. Too many oughts and shoulds and guilt trips. But the fruit of the Spirit isn't a list of rules and regulations. It's a a description of what happens to us if we are yielded to Jesus Christ. I love to grow tomatoes, and I was delighted to discover last summer that you can even grow them here if you have a summer like last summer. So every 50 years, I'm set for tomatoes. Now, I don't have to go out and demand or command my tomato plants to bear fruit. And they are a fruit, by the way, just in case you're wondering. They're not a vegetable. I don't have to go out every morning and say, bear fruit, tomato plants. That's just what they do, naturally. 
It's the same way with the fruit of the Spirit. It's an organic thing that happens to us if we know Jesus. Because if we know Jesus, His Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And just like the sap inside of a tomato plant empowers that plant to produce fruit, so the Holy Spirit of Jesus lives in us and gives us the power to live transformed lives. Now, I need to say this doesn't mean that it's going to be easy to have a transformed life because there's still a big part of us that wants those works of the flesh. And that's sort of battling the, the, the spirit in us. So it's not easy. And, and I think what a lot of us wish is that Jesus would just come along and sort of zap us and make all of that go away. Poof, you're a fruit of the spirit. That'd make it easy. That would also make us puppets. And God respects us way more than that. And it would mean that we would probably rely on our own strength to be good rather than relying on Jesus. And what he really wants is that we would rely on him because that builds a relationship with him. And that's what he wants more than anything else, a relationship with us. So we have a role to play in this process. Our role is to follow God's guidelines about how to bear fruit. His guidelines about money and and sex and and loving other people, and, and worshiping Him. Because those are the things that lead to fruit. That's our role. The Holy Spirit's job is to give us the power to do that. It takes both. Us and the Holy Spirit. C.S. Lewis says that to ask which is it that transforms us, our obedience or the Holy Spirit, is like asking which blade of the scissors cuts the paper. It takes both. We obey... But the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that. Without the Holy Spirit, this is impossible. With the Holy Spirit, we can do it. So how do we access this power? Well, just like the tomatoes need a couple of preconditions in order for them to bear fruit, right? they need to be planted in the ground, they need water, they need sunshine, they need to be supported. It's the same way with us. There's a couple of preconditions we need in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit. The first is we have to know Jesus. There's just no way that we can do this without Jesus. Maybe you could do one or two off that list, but not the whole list. Not without Jesus. The second thing we need is we need to trust that he's good and that what he asks us to do is for our benefit. You know, what really keeps me from following God's commands is this suspicion deep down that he's not good, that he's got it out for me, that he's just trying to keep me from having fun. In fact, that's the original sin, right? The first temptation. The serpent says to Adam and Eve, you better eat that apple because he's holding out on you. He's trying to keep you from having fun. He's no good. But when we really believe that God is good and that his commands are meant for our benefit to help us have an abundant life, not constrain us, then it becomes a lot easier to follow them. We need to trust that God is good. Third thing we need to bear fruit is we need to be rooted in soil that nourishes us. Tomatoes can't grow if they're uprooted, neither can we. And Jesus gives us things, gives us soil that will nourish us. Things like coming to church to worship Him and be reminded of His promises. Reading Scripture so that we can just figure out what He's like, what He's about. Prayer where we can connect to Him. And it doesn't have to be long, fancy prayers. Just offload your problems to God. Just tell Him what's on your mind. We need to sink our roots into the things that will help us bear fruit. Another thing we need is support. 
If tomatoes aren't supported, they just grow huge and sort of collapse on themselves into this pulpy mess. And it's the same with us. We need to be supported. We need Christian friends around us who can encourage us and challenge us and point us to Jesus. And if you don't have that in your life, please talk to someone on staff here so that we can help you find a group that can do that for you. Another thing we need in order to bear fruit, we have to let Jesus get into the dirt of our lives and pull up the weeds. Just like the tomatoes have to let me root around and and weed, we have to let Jesus get into the the not-so-pretty parts of our lives and begin to pull some stuff up. You know, if all we ever say to Jesus is, you know, look at my flowers, look at my foliage, isn't it pretty? But never let him into the dirt, the, the muck, the weedy parts of our lives, then we won't bear fruit. And when he does see those things in us, those secret sins, those silent shames, he, he doesn't say, oh, how disgusting. He says, oh, I love you so much. Let me remove these things from your life so that you can flourish. We need to let Jesus into the not-so-pretty parts of our life. And finally, we need time. Fruit doesn't grow overnight. In fact, some fruit trees take years and years just to produce their first crop. This takes time. I spoke with a man this week who, was, who has been struggling with an addiction for years. And it's wrecked his marriage, it's left his self-esteem in shambles. And He's been a Christian for 30 years, but... Lately, out of this, he's been connecting to Jesus in a whole new way. He started praying over his addiction with a group of Christian mentors. And during one of these sessions, he was remembering a particularly painful, shaming experience in his childhood. And and his mentor said, "I, I want you to imagine Jesus standing there in that experience. And imagine what he would say to you. And at first, he couldn't imagine that Jesus would say anything, but... But then he heard Jesus say, you belong to me. And it was very moving to him. And he he got choked up. And he said, I've known that intellectually for years, but somehow I knew it in my heart. Well, later that week, he was battling the urge to act out on his addiction. But he just kept remembering Jesus saying, you belong to me. You belong to me. And that gave him courage and the power to resist. But more than that, after 30 years of following Christ... He's beginning to connect to Jesus at a heart level. And he said to me, it's the strangest experience. My life is a train wreck. My marriage is falling apart. I'm battling addictions, but I've never had so much peace. That's the fruit of the Spirit emerging in his life. He's trusting that Jesus is good. And that even when he asks us to do things that are uncomfortable, it's so that we can flourish. And he's sinking his roots deeply into what will give him strength. Things like prayer and scripture. And he's supported by Christian friends. And and he's letting Jesus get into the muck and dirt of his life. And as a result, he's beginning to bear fruit. Peace in the middle of chaos. Emerging self-control over an addiction that's wrecked his life. Now, he's not there yet. He hasn't arrived. He's got a long, long, long way to go. But so do we all. And the mark of a Christian isn't perfection. It's progress. When I was growing up, there was a house next door to us. I'm I'm switching my metaphors from tomatoes to houses. So if that confuses you, just imagine the tomatoes next to the house. There was a house next door to us. And it was just a disaster. There were 
weeds everywhere, paint was peeling off, there were junky cars parked out in the street. But then some new owners moved in, and at first nothing much changed. All they did was a few simple things that they could. They mowed the weeds, they parked the car in the garage. Then a few years later, they they planted grass in the front yard, and then they painted the house. And eventually, the, the front was starting to look pretty good, but the back, that nobody saw, was still a wreck. So they spent a couple more years fixing that up. And even still later, then, they put some finishing touches on it. They... They put some trim up. They, they, made it, they made a patio. It took a long, long time. Years. But eventually the house looked great. That's how it is if we know Jesus. If we know Him, we have a new owner. And if we let Him, He will begin to make some changes in us. Maybe not big ones at first. Maybe just little things. Maybe just works with us on a bad habit that we've got or helps us to care for someone or or maybe just helps us figure out if we believe in Him or not. And then he gets to some bigger projects. The lust, the anger, the living for self, the materialism. And then he gets into the backyard. The part that nobody sees, the secret sins, the silent shames, and he begins even to change us there. And it takes a while, but he gets the job done and our job is just to let him. Maybe for you tonight, that means just getting to know Him better through prayer and through Scripture. Maybe it means obeying a few of His commands to see that actually they do lead to joy. The only way to know that for sure is is to try Him out. Or maybe it's just figuring out whether or not you believe in Him. Whatever it is, Jesus has a gift He wants to give you. A transformed life. And He doesn't ask that you have it all together yet. And He doesn't ask that you're perfect. He doesn't even require that you 100% believe in Him. He'll begin to work in your life even if you don't. What He needs, though, is your willingness to let Him begin to work in you, through you, and on you so that you can bear the fruit He made you to yield. Will you please pray with me? Maybe you've never had a chance to start a relationship with Jesus. If you'd like to do that tonight, I I just invite you to pray this along with me. Lord Jesus, I, I want you to be my leader and the forgiver of my sins. Please come into my life and start to make me like you. If you prayed that prayer, just tell someone before you leave so we can help you take the next steps. For the rest of us, maybe there's some area in our life that we're struggling with, a A place where we have no love, no joy, no peace, no patience or generosity, no kindness, no self-control, no faith. The next few minutes of silence, let's just take those things to God and ask that He would begin to change those things in us. Lord, You created the whole universe. Every planet, every star, every galaxy. And having done that, we know that You can recreate us. So Lord, by the power of Your Holy Spirit, make us new people. Give us Your character. And we'll give You the glory. We pray this in Your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's continue to worship God by bringing Him our gifts and our offerings.